Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again this week and thank you for tuning in every week and for telling your friends about us. If you're being blessed by this ministry, uh, it takes a while to catch on. We've been on now, this is our eighth year of being on national television. And we're beginning to catch on, but we're, we're uh, not on every day, and so it takes a little while to catch on. So tell your friends about us. If you, uh, uh, if you uh, don't have a, a DVR and you can't set your DVR to watch us, uh, I want to remind you that we do have a uh, YouTube channel. And most everybody that's got internet can access our program through YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, and uh, it has everything that we have aired to date archived there, and you can watch it at your leisure for free on your smart device or your TV or your Roku or any of those kinds of internet outlets. Uh, we also have a podcast that has the audio portion of this. So you say, well, I'm really enjoying this Hebrew series, but I don't have time to set in front of my computer. Well, go and download it to your a smartphone or to, you know, some kind of a device where you can take the audio files, listen to it on the way to work, stream it through your car. Uh, it is available also uh, not only on iTunes, but an RSS feed for your Android device is available. The easiest way to find that is simply to go to my website at lenhouse.com, and right there you will find a link that goes directly to these. If you sign up for them, every time we put a new program up, you will get an email. Or if you subscribe to it, of course, they will automatically, uh, I think it is with iTunes, it automatically comes to you if you subscribe. Uh, while you're there at our website, take a look at some of the, the uh, resources that we have there. We have a vast amount of audio and video, and of course our books are all there. We have three books. One is titled The Revelation of Jesus Christ. I won't talk too much about this today because I want to get right in the Word, but we have a book called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. I have one called Unforced Rhythms of Grace, and my newest book uh, is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. We also have available there for you to sign up for our Message of the Month Club. The message of the month is a message that we send out once a month of some message that we've preached somewhere in the world, and uh, we send it out as a subscription. It's $7 a month or $70 a year, and that helps us as a partner base. Of course, you can give more than that if you'd like to, but uh, that's the subscription for the message of the month, and it would be a blessing to you to be able to receive that, and you're going to hear some preaching from where we've been. Also, my itinerary is there. You can go look at my calendar. We're coming to a town near you. We're a traveling ministry. We travel all over the world, and we're probably coming to a city near you, and we'd like to meet you. We love it when we get to meet our television audience. So uh, all of those things are available to you. Just go there and do that. Now, I want to get into the book of Hebrews again today because we've already taught two segments on chapter 7, and we're going to jump back in here today and see if we can't dig in a little bit deeper. It says, verse number 1 in Hebrews, the seventh chapter, it says, For this Melchizedek is the king of Salem. He's the priest of the Most High God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation the king of righteousness, and after that also the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. He's without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. 
Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham, and blessed him that had the promise. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may say so also, as I may, and as I may say so, Levi also who received tithe, paid tithe in Abraham, for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under, the, under, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And yet it is far more evident, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. By the which we draw nigh to God, and inasmuch as not without an oath he was made a priest. For those priests were made oath, but, with, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. But by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, blameless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Now I want to talk about this a little bit and take you back first of all uh, I want to take you back into the book of Genesis, and we're going to talk about how Abraham uh, meets Melchizedek on his way back from the slaughter of the kings of Chedorlaomer. Now, what I want to share with you in this segment, let me go back here and get this uh, where I need to be here in just a minute. I need to be in Genesis. If you've got your Bible or your device with you, go with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter number 14. And we will take a look at this because he's on his way back from the slaughter of the kings of Cheddar Laomer, and he is on his way back from a victory. Uh, all right. It says in Genesis 14, let me skip down here just a little bit. Uh, let's see. 
And let's just begin in chapter 14, verse 8. It says, and, and there went out the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboleum, and the king of Bela, the same Azur. And they joined battle with them in the vale of Sidon, and with Chedorlaomer the king of Elam, and with Tidal king of nations, and Aphrael king of Shinar, and Arioch king of Eli, Elasar, four kings with five. And the vale of Siddam was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there that remained to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods. And, they, and there came one that had escaped and told Abram he, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eschol and brother of Aner. And these were confederate with Abram. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house. Now note this. He took 318 and pursued them to Dan. Now let me, I'm going to skip on down here. Uh, well, let, let's, let's, we'll continue there. And he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheba, which is the king's dale. And, Mel and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons, and take the goods. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up mine hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread, even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abraham rich, save only that which the young man have eaten, and the portion of the men which went with me from Aner and Eshcol. Now let me just tell you, let me just talk to you straight as I know how to, because I think this is one of the most important sir, uh, things that I can teach on, and there's so much confusion about it. Let me tell you first of all, this is what I personally practice in my own life. This works for me. Now I'm, I'm going to say, say that again. This is what I personally believe enough to practice it in my own life. I always think even when I deal with, you know, investment strategists or anybody that, I always say to them, what do you do with your money? That usually tells the tale. Now the first thing that I want to tell you is that Abraham was not giving to get the victory. He was on his way back from one. I put it in my notes, in my notes here, I said the first thing uh, that I want you to see here is that Abraham was on his way back from the slaughter of the kings. And the first thing to note is that he's not, give, he's not giving tithe to get the victory. He was giving tithe because he was on his way back from one. Now let me tell you that under the new covenant, here is a simple principle, and I've shared this, I'm going to reiterate it again. The new covenant is full of supply. The Old Covenant is full of demand. Old Covenant comes from need-based, and New Covenant comes from supply-based. Abraham, when he was on his way, he was not giving to get the victory. You don't need to give a breakthrough offering. 
uh, in order to get the victory. You've already got the victory. You're already blessed. In the new covenant, you're highly favored. But what I want you to see is even uh, you're blessed in order to be a blessing. <coughs> Excuse me. I think about the book of Genesis. The Bible says, And the Lord God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So you are blessed in order to be a blessing. I was at a meeting not so long ago, and on my way back from this wonderful grace meeting, I was on my way up the hotel in the elevator, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you cannot earn grace, but you can steward it. And so I thought, Lord, I don't even know if there's a scripture for that in the Bible. Of course, then I got up to the room, and I put it in my iPad began to do a search in my Strong's Concordance, and I found out, sure enough, that the book of Peter said that we are stewards of the manifold grace of God. So what happens is we're all favored. Everybody has the same favor on them as anybody else does. But what we do with the favor, I think, can determine sometimes our stewardship of that favor. If ever, in other words, if listen, if it's just a blanket, everybody... Uh, you know, the favor of God's on you, then everybody would be rich. And the favor of God is on everybody. That's, that's irrevocable. God's favor's on you. But it's what you steward with the blessing that God gives you determines uh, sometimes your harvest. In other words, there are principles and laws that are in motion. Getting way ahead of myself here. That are not the law of Moses or any, uh, they're just laws that are set in motion by God. For instance, seed time and harvest time. Now this works for believers and unbelievers. If you go out in your garden today and you plant a tomato seed and your neighbor plants a tomato seed, God will cause the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. But if you sow seed in that field, you are going to reap a harvest. If you don't sow any tomato seeds, in that you're not going to get any tomatoes. God is not mad with you. You're still under the same favor as your neighbor is. You just don't have any tomatoes unless your neighbor that planted a tomato seed gives you a tomato. So those are laws. It's like saying, you know, well, bless God, I'm not under the law. Well, it's not, you're not under the law of Moses. Absolutely. We're not going to teach this. I promise you. We're not going to teach this from the perspective of a curse. You've been redeemed from the curse. And if you do not tithe, you are not under the curse because we're not going to teach this from an old covenant perspective. You can't have it both ways. But I will tell you this, that there are some laws that are in motion that are neither the law of Moses. They're just laws of nature and they're laws that, that work. It's like the law of gravity. If I said to you, uh, I'm not under the law, this book is not under the law of gravity. It don't matter what I believe. That book is going to hit the ground because it's under the law of gravity unless you put a higher law in motion and put that book on an airplane and fly it somewhere. But what I'm simply saying is that there are laws that, that are, uh, it, it, for instance, you know, God, God, I don't think, judges you on your sin, but there are repercussions to your actions. Now, we don't want to get into that issue about sin. I'm after, I want to talk about this, uh, this, this, this whole idea of tithing. Here comes Abraham. He's not on his way to a victory. He's on his way back from one. Here's what I want you to see when it comes to tithe. Abraham, when he meets Melchizedek, Melchizedek brings forth bread and wine. Abraham's response to bread and wine is that he gives tithe to Melchizedek. I want to, I want to make this clear as well. 
Because here's two key points in Hebrews 7. The Scripture says that Levi has a commandment to take tithe of the people. So the Levitical system takes tithe. It has a commandment to take tithe. You are under command, under Levi, to take tithe of the people. Here's the difference in the word, but it says, but Melchizedek receives. Melchizedek receives tithe. Now, the word receive and the word take are two different things. Under one, you're forced and coerced to. Under the other, it has to flow from the heart. When I think about this, it's a, the difference is, listen, we don't take tithe, we receive tithe. And so the, the, what he's showing you here is that one is the condition of the heart. Uh, when, when, and and we, he was on his way back from the slaughter of the kings of Chedorlaomer, and he meets Melchizedek, and he serves him bread and wine, and his response to bread and wine is he gave tithe to Melchizedek. I, there's so much that's flowing in my spirit, I hardly know where to plug in here. Number one, Abraham gave. It was not force. It was not coerce. He's on his way back from a victory. He gets bread and wine. I submit to you that I believe that anybody who is receiving bread and wine, now what is that? Bread and wine is the communion that's really specific to the new covenant. Now I could take a whole series here and just teach on the bread and wine, but when I think about the bread and wine throughout the scripture, it's always dealing with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and especially in the book of Corinthians when he talks about receiving the communion, he talks about, he said, this is my body that was broken for you. So a ministry that is serving you the finished work of Jesus Christ and serving you bread and wine, I believe is worthy to receive tithe. Now we'll get into this in just a moment, but what I'm saying is the response to feeding on bread and wine ought to be he gave, not, not paid, he gave tithe. It was in his heart to do it. And so what, 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 what uh, I see also in the book of Corinthians is he said that uh, the same night in which uh, uh, Jesus was about to, uh, you know, uh, the next day he was going to be crucified, he said, this is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then when he comes into the book of Corinthians, he, t he begins to tell them that uh, he says uh, that, that he that eats and drinks of the body and the blood of the Lamb unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, to his soul. And what I begin to see is that what we've done with that in the book of Corinthians is we've taken the communion and used it to disqualify people when really, that's really not what it's for. The night before his decease, what he's saying to them, this is my body, it was broken for you. So discerning the Lord's body simply means that you realize that it's His death, His burial, and His resurrection. That's what made you worthy to receive it. The only thing I could say, uh, probably the best picture that I could give you of this in this scripture is when, I, when we're talking about uh, 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 the night before His decease, all the disciples are sitting at the table. And He says to them, you've you got to picture this. All of these guys, except for John, are probably going to leave him before the night is over, including Peter's going to deny the Lord, and the rooster's going to crow. But also Judas is at the table, and Jesus serves every one of these guys bread and wine. I can see him look straight into the eyes of Peter, knowing Peter's going to betray him. He says, this is my body. It was broken for you, Pete. I know you're going to, I know you're going to betray me before the night's over. 
but I need you to know this is my body that was broken for you. He does it to Judas, the betrayer. This is my body. It was broken for you. Now Judas is really the only one at the table who will not ultimately discern the Lord's body. Because when he realizes what he's done, he goes to the temple, he throws the money on the floor, and he said, I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? I have betrayed innocent blood, and he declared to them. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. And Judas went and hanged himself. Now watch this. If Judas would have waited five hours, the hanging of Jesus would have been his hanging. In other words, he didn't discern the Lord's body, so he thought he had to pay for his own sin. See, I'm telling you, discerning the Lord's body doesn't mean, uh, what it means is you're qualified. In other words, really receiving bread and wine, and if you really receive communion from a Melchizedek priesthood, it's going to tell you you're not disqualified because of what you've done. You're qualified because of what He's done, and on the basis of that, you can come to the table and eat and drink of the blood worthily. And so you are worthy based on what Jesus did. It's like the, the principle that says, listen, uh, you know, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life in you. Well, listen, if we disqualify people from the body and the blood, and we disqualify them, how are they ever going to be able to come and get a hold of the very thing that can be the remedy. In other words, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life in you, but you've got to be perfect to get this. It's like an oxymoron. I've got to be perfect to get it, but when I get it, that's what makes me perfect. It's, listen, what I'm serving you today is bread and wine. What, what, what the New Covenant Melchizedek priesthood is doing here in Hebrews 11 is serving you bread and wine. It is telling you the victory has already been won. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. You've been redeemed from every aspect of it. And Abraham's response is that he came back from the slaughter of the kings of Chedorlaomer and he gave a tithe to Melchizedek. He didn't, Melchizedek didn't take one, Melchizedek received one. See, I believe in the new covenant, the difference is the condition of your heart. Here's my thought on it. And I taught this back when I taught Hebrews 4. It said, For the word of God is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder between soul and spirit and, and is a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. And the word there is talking about the word that flows from rest. He said, because what happens is, is the word that flows from rest, the word that flows from the new covenant doesn't put any demand on you. But in the climate of freedom, Hebrews 4, you can go back and listen to that segment. It's been recorded on, and archived on YouTube. But what he's simply saying there is this. In the climate of freedom, what's really in your heart will surface. If once you find out or you found out that you're not under a curse, if you don't give tithe, then the problem was not the tithe issue. The problem was a heart issue. It wasn't in your heart to give at all. And see, what he's really after is a heart issue. The response was from the heart. I, I was looking this morning and I may be able to pick this up in another segment, but I was looking at Psalm 50 this morning, and God said to them, did I ever ask you for the blood of bulls and goats? Have I ever been thirsty for the fowls? And he goes on to say, he said, all, all the cattle on a thousand hills are already mine. All the fowls of the mountain already belong to me. 
And if I were, do you think I'm hungry for the blood of bulls and goats? In other words, he said, all the fowls of the mountain already belong to me, and the cattle on a thousand hills already belong to me. And then he, this is a powerful word. He, he said, and if I were hungry, if I was hungry, I would not ask you because I already own it. But what God did was he put those animals and those sacrifices in the hands of the people to be able to give him back something he had already given to them so that it could flow from their heart. The best way I can kind of explain this is, my, I was thinking what this morning the best way to maybe give an example. I thought about my granddaughters. I have two granddaughters. But one special gift that I received one year for Christmas was not the most expensive at all. But it was, you, you know, and even when my granddaughters go shopping for me, they have no money of their own. They're just little. And their parents either give them money or, or, or something of that nature. And they get to go shopping to find something to give to Paul. Now, Paul Paul really don't have any needs, but Paul Paul, one really touched my heart was my one little granddaughter. She gave me this little heart, and it said to, and when she crawled up on my lap, she gave me this little metal heart that she'd bought for me. She said, Pap, she said, I want you to take this with you and put it in your pocket. And so whenever you're on the airplane and you're over there preaching and you're someplace away from here in a hotel, he said, you could pull that out of your pocket and you can rub that little coin and you will always know that I love you and I'm thinking about you. I get tore up thinking about it. But see, that to me is the response of her heart was so precious to me because this was not a matter of how much the gift was worth, but it was the fact that she had spent time and her heart was in giving me this gift. She, uh, there was one of them that gave me a little pack of screwdrivers this year. It was not a very expensive thing, but I mean, they were so excited and thrilled about giving this to me. When I think about giving, and I think about giving tithe, and we're going to talk about this further. We're not going to get it all done in this segment. It's talking about an expression of your heart. And somebody said, well, you know, that was old covenant. Let me tell you something he goes on to say here. It said, for there on earth men receive them, but there he receiveth them of whom it testifies. So there he receiveth, it says receiveth tithe. So this is not just in his earthly ministry. This is in his function right now. As a high priest, he still receives. He doesn't take. He receives tithe. When you come and give because it's in your heart and not because you're coerced, forced, or threatened because of a curse, then the blessing, I believe, of Melchizedek comes. And as Abraham said, uh, it, it, I'm, I'm going to give you back all these spoils because you're not going to say you made Abraham rich. It was him being blessed of the Most High God who is the possessor of heaven and earth that has the ability to reach back into you and say, all grace may abound towards you in all things. Now, we're out of time. I wish we had another, uh, but, uh, another a little more time in this segment, but we're going to jump back in next week. So tune in. Listen, we're about to run out of time. If you would like to sow into a ministry like this, I, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to say we're good ground, but I believe we are. I think what we are serving is bread and wine. If you discern that in your own spirit and you want to sow into something like this, then I believe you're blessed if you don't. But if you sow seed, you'll bless a whole lot of other folks as well. But the reality of it is, is that we do need your help and your partnership is what helps us take the gospel of grace, the gospel of the kingdom around the world. Call the number on the screen. You can give via credit card by going to our website. If you don't get an answer on the phone, leave a message if you'd like a call back and someone from my team will call you back. God bless you and thank you for tuning in. Join us again next week at the same time as we continue this series. God bless you. 
I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled, From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving Father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.